EMRC, EMRC, this is County Medic 12 requesting a consult with the University of Maryland. Okay, County 12, switch to Med 4, Med 4. Copy, switching to Med 4. Hey everyone, this is James from the Med4 Podcast. Today I'm here with Dr. Chismar from MIMS. Doc, thanks for coming on the podcast with us. Thank you, James, for having me on the podcast. Great to be here. Alrighty, so on this episode, Doc, I'd like to talk about pulling the trigger on the surgical airway. Sure. And getting into that, I think the number one thing that I like to talk about is that something needs to happen, and that's an airway process. An airway process needs to happen to determine that you are in the need of a surgical airway. So I'm just going to talk about that, and then i got a couple questions for you afterwards. So there needs to be an airway process, and that airway process is going to be BLS airways, making sure to get one or two nasopharyngeal airways in, making sure that you get a good seal on the bag valve mask, make sure that you have good compliance with that bag valve mask. Then you need to work into the airway assessment. That airway assessment is vital. That airway assessment is going to let you know what your airway plan is going to be, whether you're going to lead with VL, lead with DL, whether you need to skip VL and DL and go directly to a supraglottic airway, or in some cases you may need to go directly into a surgical airway because of a choking or something like that. Then your airway assessment will let you know what your plan is going to be. need you to work through that VL-DL attempt. You need to attempt an intubation. You need to attempt to use your alternative airway unless you can articulate from your assessment why those devices wouldn't work. Ultimately, when those devices fail, you're not failing at the airway. You're just moving through those devices. Those devices are not working for the patient. It's not you failing at the actual procedure. It's just the devices are not feasible for that patient at that time. So ultimately, when you work through those devices, and you're unable to intubate, you're unable to ventilate, we want you to move back into your BLS airways, back into the NPAs, the OPAs, the two thumbs down, the good bag valve mask technique. And if your patient remains hypoxic, remains with a low pulse ox, low capnography, then we need to consult for a surgical airway. And this is where I'm going to get you to chime in, Doc. I'd like to know, as a receiving physician on the other end of the radio, what do you want to hear from the clinicians? Sure. Well, thank you. I I think... As regarding the consult, certainly the consult can be very brief. We know that this is a life-threatening situation. I think on the other end of the consult, we want to know that this is a cannot intubate, cannot ventilate scenario. So not just cannot intubate, but also cannot ventilate. So as you highlighted, the use of BLS airways, the use of supraglottic airways, such as an LMA or a a King LT uh, tube, either one, depending on what your jurisdiction carries, would be an appropriate first step. And if you're still not able to ventilate, still not able to intubate, um, then certainly consulting briefly with the receiving base station would be the next step. Um, But that's, in essence, what the receiving uh, physician is going to want to know is that you've made an attempt to ventilate, you made an attempt to intubate, um, and neither, at at least at this point, um, has been a success. And so in that case, a a surgical airway would be the next step in our algorithm. All right. And then... A physician on the receiving end, I can imagine a clinician is going to be very stressed, have a lot going on. So this short and to the point is saying, hey, I've, I've done uh, a BLS airways, I've done an airway assessment, I've worked through this plan, it's not working, I need to do this surgical airway. Now, obviously, the answer is going to be yes, because we, we're in a cannot innovate, cannot ventilate situation. Sure, and I, and I think it's brief. I think it's good to highlight, um, again, during a very brief consult, what the overall scenario is, uh, not to get into past medical history and details, 
But it's very powerful if you say that you're with an angioedema patient. Everybody understands, you know, you have a big swollen tongue. You're not able to overcome that. Or we've had cases um, where a surgical cricus had to be performed where um, there's been food impaction all the way through the airway that has just not been able to be removed. I mean, if you're saying those things, the, the person on the other end of the line can very easily understand why a surgical airway is going to be needed um, sooner rather than later. So then once the clinician gets to the cannot intubate, cannot ventilate situation, they perform the consult, their, their rules of engagement have been met. They're able to pull the trigger. But in my experience, the patients get to that point far faster than the clinicians do. So my question for you, Doc, is why do you think that is? Why do, why do you think the clinicians take so much time to get there instead of just performing the procedure? Sure. Um, so I think this can be, uh, rightfully so, a, a procedure that we respect. Um, it's a very invasive procedure. It's not one that, um, even though we may have had training at some point in time, it's not one that we frequently train and retrain on. Um, very few of us have performed this procedure in real life, so there's the experience factor. Um, and then in some cases, some may be reluctant because of their understanding of the anatomy or a patient that has very difficult anatomy, for instance, has a, you know, an obese or swollen neck, and you're not sure whether you're able to localize the right correct landmarks to do the procedure. I know for me, training kind of came to mind, experience and understanding of the anatomy. Um, it's not a procedure that we train very often right. in the pre-hospital environment. That's why it's so important to take advantage of a lot of these courses that are out there. Experience, it's also not a procedure that's performed very often. Again, which falls back on why you need to train the way that we need to train. Absolutely. Um, what comes down to understanding the anatomy. So can you explain the anatomy that's involved that you feel the EMS condition needs to be aware of when performing this procedure? So um, when we're considering the anatomy to perform the surgical crike, um, what we're looking for is the cricothyroid membrane. So as it sounds, located between the, th the cricoid cartilage and the thyroid cartilage. The thyroid cartilage is the Adam's apple, and we're looking for the depression that is just below the Adam's apple um, before we hit the cricoid cartilage. So in, this is taught in a variety of different ways. Um, the clinician may receive training and, and should certainly follow the training of their local medical director and how to perform this procedure. But localizing those landmarks is the first step. In most cases, we're taught to make a vertical incision through the skin, um, followed by a horizontal uh, stab through the cricothyroid membrane. And then after that, to place either a tracheal hook or a bougie can also be used to hold our place followed by, the, followed by uh, passing a 6-0 endotracheal tube um, over that bougie or next to the tracheal hook um, and into the airway. Yeah, I think that's kind of important to touch on real quick. Um, in education, being an, an EMS educator, one of the things we get, um, one of the things that's asked of us a lot is why is 6-0 tube? Sure. So 6-0 tube will, will fit um, relatively nicely into an adult, um, into a, an adult's neck uh, through the cricothyroid membrane. Um, you want to keep in mind that we don't want to perform an open surgical cricothyroidotomy on uh, children. So when it comes to the protocol, it's eight and above for a surgical airway. That's correct. And what will we do if, if you're under eight? So under eight, um, we have the option of doing what's called a needle cricothyroidotomy, mm -hmm. where we take a 12 or 14 gauge um, over the needle catheter and then direct it through that same landmark, the cricothyroid membrane. So the landmarks are the same. We're just not making an open. We're not making an open incision. We're using a, a catheter that's over a needle. Okay, so it's 
surgical airway that we're talking about in this podcast is going to be from eight years of age and up and using a 602. That's correct. So I know that you talked a, a little bit about the technique and the tracheal hook, the tube, the bougie, but a question I have for you is if you were the clinician that was in the field that was treating a patient that went through this airway process and you needed to do a surgical airway, how would you perform that procedure? So in many cases, uh, depending on the jurisdiction, you may not have a surgical crack kit, so to speak. Um, in some jurisdictions, you, you would. I think in its simplest case, if I were um, coming into a place where I wasn't sure what, what equipment I had, I would ask for three things. I would ask for a scalpel, I would ask for a 6-0 endotracheal tube, and then I would ask for um, a sort of a placeholder of some sort. And again, the bougie is, is really, the, really the primary example um, for this. So I would ask for those three things. If you're not sure where a scalpel is kept, almost always you can find a scalpel in the OB kit, um, and you should be able to find a 6-0 endotracheal tube really on any ambulance. So those are the two things that you really, really need to have to do the procedure. Um, it's always nice if you have a formal kit, but again, you can still do the procedure as extraordinary care, even if you're in a jurisdiction that doesn't have a, a pre-set up kit. All right. And then just to let all the listeners know that we just want to make sure that ultimately you need to follow your medical director's recommendations on how they want you to perform that procedure. But um, if you are met with this, this is an option. I know in my jurisdiction, we do the bougie, the the scalpel bougie tube, and it has worked very well for me. Right. So the clinician has successfully performed this procedure. What's expected of them when they get to the hospital? So um, as part of the procedural follow-up, um, certainly before we get to that point, we would want to ensure that once the 6-0 endotracheal tube is placed, that the balloon is inflated um, and that the tube is secure, um, as we would with any endotracheal tube. And you may do that with trach tie or, or with the tube holder if you're able to um, do that effectively. I would tell you in our jurisdiction, one of our providers showed us how to take the tube holder and flip it upside down so the bike block is up instead of down, and it's a phenomenal so, securing device for a surgical airway. It's a great idea, great idea. Um, just like any other um, intubation, uh, we would want to make sure that we have endohidal CO2 monitoring so that we're, we're sure that this is in appropriately placed in the yeah. airway. And then just to tag onto that, make sure it's it's consistent waveform right. capnography. You you want to have that consistent waveform um, when you put that device on. Correct. Absolutely. Um, as far as notifications go, when you arrive at the hospital, obviously this will be a, a high acuity patient. You would notify the physician that um, you were able to successfully carry out the procedure. And then following a handoff of patient care, notify your jurisdictional medical director um, so that you're able to kind of debrief from the call and able to discuss, um, you know, how the call went, what were your challenges, any, any things, any equipment that you may have needed that you weren't able to access. Um, and were you able to really follow that airway algorithm? Did you follow plan A, follow plan B, follow plan C, and kind of progressively go through as we talked about using the BLS airway first, using alternative airways if needed, making an attempt with, with either DL or video, or video laryngoscopy prior to having to go to the surgical crike. Ultimately, the jurisdiction has to contact the state medical director with the clinician. What do you want to hear? What, what do you, as the state medical director, talking to the clinician, talking to the, the jurisdictional medical director, what do you want to hear about this procedure? Sure. Um, so we, we really want to make this an educational opportunity and, and not, you know, anything that 
a clinician needs to be afraid of in any way. Um, what we really want to know is, were there situa was the situation something that we, we could have potentially helped the clinician avoid, um, whether that's through additional training or through additional equipment? Um, and again, were they able to successfully carry out the procedure? Were they able to um, successfully kind of, based on their training, go through an orga organized airway algorithm? And is there really any follow-up that we need, to, we need to do from an educational standpoint? That's really our goal in making that, that call, is to debrief and identify any educational opportunities that may be present from the call. So please don't be fearful of that, that whole process is what I'm trying to get across. <laughs> That's awesome. So we've reached our time limit. I gave myself 15 minutes for this podcast. And we've reached that time limit. So I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I encourage any clinicians out there to have any questions, please comment in the show notes. And we look forward to talking to you guys later. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you, Doc. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Before we go, the Med4 podcast crew would like to remind you about Winterfest 2020. The conference is being held in Easton, Maryland from January 23rd through the 26th. Winterfest 2020 is an outstanding lineup of speakers that are going to provide us with the latest evidence-based information to once again increase the outcomes for our patients. To register for Winterfest 2020, please visit www talbotdes.org and look for the link. The official flyer and web link are in the show notes. We hope to see you there.